everyone, I'm Lydia Laws and welcome to Lifting the Lid. Today I'm speaking with Richard Ilderton, a marine mammal medic saving the lives of injured or trapped seals, dolphins and whales for the British Divers Marine Life Rescue. He's an area coordinator for the international organisation whose volunteers brave rough seas, dramatic conditions and the sharp teeth of their seal patients. So let's jump in. All right, Richard, welcome to Lifting the Lid. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, you've offered tea, so I'm more than happy to turn up. That is true, although I am missing biscuits. It's all which... right. My daughter says I'm fat enough, so um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. On that one. Um, yeah, so I would love to chat to you about uh, British Divers Marine Life Rescue and your involvement in it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what they do internationally and kind of globally? Just give us a bit of a brief for people who won't know. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so British Divers Marine Life Rescue, uh, which it, the instant question from that is, oh, are you a diver? You don't have to be a diver to be involved in the organisation. It's just called that because when it started in 1988, it was started by divers as a response to a seal distemper virus outbreak um, on the east coast of England. Um, so divers got involved, started rescuing seals, working alongside other rescue charities, and after a while thought we should really set up a charitable organisation for this just to make back a bit of the money that we're spending on, on fuel, equipment, things like that. Yeah. And people were trying to offer the money, so thought they'd uh, keep it up of board. So that was 1988, mm-hmm. um, still going over 30 years later. Amazing. Um, so predominantly started with SEAL Rescue, um, but we are a founding member of the Marine Animal Rescue Coalition. Uh, we work certainly nationally with regards to responding to SEAL rescues, dolphin, porpoise and whale rescues, both single animals and also mass stranding events. We had a big evol- involvement in 2006 with the whale up the River Thames. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was an northern bottlenose whale that came up. And we were also having some involvement with our guys down there with the recent whales that have been in the uh, River Thames. Uh, internationally, um, we're kind of brought in as, as experts. Um, we're an organisation who have, who have moved cetaceans around who aren't involved in the captive wildlife trade. So we were involved in the Into the Blue campaign. Mm-hmm. We were getting dolphins from the UK back into into the wild. Amazing. Um, we worked with the Born Free family. Was it Born Free? I think it was Born Free. There were two dolphins, Tom and Misha, um, over in Turkey that were being held in appalling conditions. And we oh were contacted God. by sort of a partner charity to say, look, can you help with this? And uh, we got involved with sending people across to assess the dolphins in captivity, um, transport them, uh, managed to get them in contact with a former dolphin trainer who was able to then spend 20 months rehabbing these two dolphins to release them back into the wild. Oh my God, that's so cool. Uh, we are a board member of Dolphin Area Free Europe as an organisation. Um, we go out and we train abroad as well. I was lucky enough to head off to um, Dubai and Abu Dhabi to train the Emirates Environmental Association out there. And so we kind of do work all around the world, go out to the sort of European and international conferences and sit on boards to try and basically make things better for wildlife around the UK and around the world. That's amazing. I actually didn't know that you could rehab or kind of, yeah, dolphins to then release them back into the wild after so much time in captivity. Yeah. That's uh, really it's, cool. It's, it's they're very intelligent animals and it's basically a case of getting their fitness up and mm-hmm. getting them used to not doing tricks for fish. Very cool. So how did you personally get involved in BDMLR? 
entirely by accident. So I used to be a member, an active member of Timer Volunteer Life Brigade. I tend to go for organisations with long titles. Um, <laughs> so that's a coastal search and rescue team, surprisingly yeah. based in Timer from the northeast. And it was the first organisation of its kind. Um, and we were occasionally getting called out to SEALs by the control centre. There's a SEAL on the beach, it's been reported. Can you go check it's all right? And I didn't have a bloody clue what, what's all right for a seal. It's small, it's furry, it looks a bit pissed off. Is that normal? I don't know. So one of the guys, um, Will, who was one of the captains in the brigade, mm -hmm. says, oh, the local sort of lady who deals with animal rescue, she's got this charity coming up to teach people how to look after seals and whales and dolphins and things like that do you fancy doing the course so august of 2003 i did my british divers marine life rescue marine mammal medic course my god that's a long time ago it is a long time <laughs> that's that's sad. i hate saying it because then people go say yeah how old <laughs> not at all yeah thank you this is the point we go well you don't look at richard no no, no, you no, look no, so no. It's, young it's, it if everyone it could see you right now who's it doesn't listening work to you. when i have to prompt it that's yeah, the thing yeah, that it, yeah. We can re-record that bit. <laughs> no, it's we fine. It's we fine. It's, it's, I've, got, I've got, just think of these as laughter lines. Um, so, so yeah, so I did the course in 2003 and there's not much going on over the winter. We managed to work with um, a company, Taylor Woodrow. One of the guys on the team um, worked for Taylor Woodrow. Mm -hmm. He managed to get them to bring a site office to the aquarium in Time Earth. And some of the volunteers re retrofitted it and turned it into a little seal B&B. &B, oh, cute. Which was great. And yeah. we took our first seal in, I think it was early 2004, I think. Um, a little grey seal, 14 kilos. We called it Fraser because the theme was going to be Scottish Islands. And um, so the lady f who organised the course initially was yeah. kind of running the unit. And when Will put something in the press, she wasn't overly happy about that and decided to leave the organisation. Right. So they were now kind of without a coordinator. And somehow I ended up getting the job. Yeah. So I started coordinating the northeast coastline. So I look after a coastline from Berwick to Teesside and all the rivers in between as well, because seals and dolphins tend to come up rivers just to be really awkward. So we did have a few years ago, a seal that we were fairly certain was trying to get into Chase nightclub in Newcastle Quayside for last <laughs> orders. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of how I fell into it, purely yeah. by accident and being going ever since. ever since where is the weirdest place that you found or you've been called out for a seal or a cetacean or something oh god um i mean we regularly get them up sort of newburn way which is about 10 12 miles inland okay um up in newcastle oh my god so i'm my day job i'm a paramedic so i work for emergency services have done since 2004 so kind of roughly mm -hmm. the same time scale um and our headquarters is up at newburn riverside and i'll occasionally get messages through the works email or stuff going oh there's a seal it's, I, I think it's stuck. It's like, well, it's not. It's in a river. Um, if the tide comes in and the river floods, it's not going to be stuck because they yeah. can swim. Mm -hmm. um, so we get them quite far up there. Um, we had one a few years ago that was making its way up the road um, in Redcar to the nightclub. Nice. Um, I've been out and picked one up from the community centre, which was fairly far inland at South Shields, which we don't know how <laughs> it ended up there. Um, one of my guys had to go into somebody's house where they picked the seal up, didn't ring anybody, didn't know what to do with it, so yep. put it in their bath. 
Oh my god! They're battled at the back of the house, and they couldn't get um, a cage in. Yeah. So Dave, my medic down, sort in Middlesbrough, had to sort of wrestle the seal out the bath. Yeah. And create it like a baby and carry it through. Not something we would recommend. Yeah. They are very bitey animals, so they get everywhere. I think I remember seeing one in Tynemouth. It got into someone's garden. It got um, across, it got oh, up the beach across the road. Seaton Sluice, that Seaton was Seaton Sluice, yeah, that one did a, a, a hell of managed a distance. Managed to like cross roads without getting killed. So off the beach, through the sand dunes, past the play park, don't know if it stopped in the swings or not. Um, then over a big grass field, over a main road, and into somebody's front garden. So some of the medics, I was just nuss- sort of nestling in with the other uh, plant pots. Yeah. So obviously this woman's come out of a house and gone, that's not a dog. <laughs> I shouldn't be there. So, so they've called us. We've gone out. Medics yeah. have checked it. It's been fine. Given it some fluids because they can't dehydrate. Taken it back down and given it a stern talking to and let it go. Yeah. The thing is, the next day it came back a bit Dude. further down. But again, it was making its way across the sand dunes. And we don't know. I mean, has she got a lot of herring in a garage that she's not telling us about? Or maybe. Or, or maybe the seal is like a sort of little mermaid situation. It you could know, like, be. But yeah. Ah, so trying to get its legs, but yeah, couldn't tell but us. Yeah, but couldn't tell. Yeah, because it's lost its voice. Uh-huh. That but, could be it. No, that's it. When you do a deal with us, you'll use it before. <laughs> Why is this something that means something to you? Was there an experience you had when you were younger? I mean, I'm assuming you're an animal lover generally, but what is it about marine mammals that kind of makes you really care about them and want to work with them? I really haven't pinned this down. That's the terrible thing. I've kind of, I've fallen into it. And so, so whilst, yeah, I, I like animals, always have, it wasn't some great passion of, I am going out to save these animals. Mm-hmm. I basically fell into the organisation through, so with the Coastal Rescue Team. Yeah. Became the coordinator because there was no one else at the time to do it. Yeah. So felt kind of obligated. And it's only when I've been more involved and I've found more mm-hmm. that I've become more passionate about it. Yeah. So it's not a case of, I've had a passion to do it mm-hmm. and then joined to live out that passion. Yeah. I've kind of been a bit railroaded into it. Yeah. Um, but then found the passion through finding out more yeah. about the sort of the horrendous things that are being done in sort of Dolphin area in Europe, in the States, uh, the ones that are sort of coming up in the Middle East, in mm-hmm. China, um, sort of the horrific things that are done um, off the Faroe Isles mm-hmm. um, in Japan. Um, the problems that we as a species are causing to these animals that have been yeah. there for sort of millennia prior to us. Mm-hmm. And we've come along and we're a, a little dot in the great time scale, but having this massive impact yeah. on animals. Um, and I've become more and more kind of enthused to try and do something about that. So, um, yeah, I'm becoming angrier as I'm getting older. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get that as well, because obviously I'm... Uh... Uh, medic as well for BDMLR and I think it's it's actually quite I find it quite difficult to not feel quite negative and panicky about everything as well when you see everything that's happening and then when you go out on call outs and you, you like one of the call outs I went on was an entangled seal and it was totally fine other than the awful amount of like fishing net on its neck and um, which would have killed it within about I think it was yeah. about 24 hours or something one of the guys said and other than that, it was perfect. How, how do you kind of, I guess, how do you keep a positive attitude when you're kind of witnessing this a lot? 
Well, the thing is, if, if if you weren't there, they'd die. I mean, people go sort of, oh, well, you're going against nature mm-hmm. by rescuing these animals, certainly the seals, oh, they, they're bound to die anyway. So as an organisation, um, we still rescue less animals per year than are killed by bycatch, mm-hmm. um, ghost netting, um, sort of attacks by dogs causing infection, um, attacks by humans, um, shooting by fishermen. Not all fishermen are bad, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We've, I get some calls from fishermen who are worried, who help us, who do some great work. Yeah. Sadly, you do get some who are very, very polarised that this animal that has evolved over millions of years mm-hmm. to hunt a primary food source of fish because that's where they live yeah. are impacting on their business um, yeah. that they've only been doing for a, maybe a few well, century at least. Um, so, yeah, you, you do kind of... It does bring you down sometimes, but you think, well, if we're making a difference, then we're making a dent. We go out, we do uh, school visits, we talk to, to primary school, middle school, high school kids, mm-hmm. we talk to community groups. If And I'll go back to a school a few years later, and there's kids there who I spoke to sort of in sort of year four, year five, and they're like... Oh, I remember when you came along and now when I go to the beach, I make sure I take a bag and we're looking out for... And so That's you so know good. that you, you've had an impact. Mm-hmm. And if I have a class of 30 and only half of them start thinking about more environmental matters, reducing the plastic use, if they've got family who fish to basically niggle them as only children can, yeah. um, to be careful with their weights, careful with their um, their line. Yeah. If they're going down the beach and they're seeing litter and they're picking it up, yeah. then it all makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So I can only see positives. We, we've, we've had certainly a, um, a bit of a surge in environmental awareness yeah. over the last few years. Definitely. And everyone, so everyone goes, oh, well, what can I do when you look at what, say, China's doing with pollution, what America's doing with pollution? As long as you're doing something, yeah. you know, it, it, it takes millions of ants to strip a bush um, working together and you can all take a little bite out of the environmentally negative apple of doom that we have coming towards us and just keep spreading the word. So that's what keeps me going, the fact that we're going out, we are making a difference. And yeah, it might just be a difference to that one animal, but that one animal is going to hopefully thrive have some little baby seals mm-hmm. and then sort of keep keep the thing going. Yeah, exactly. I think another thing is, is a lot of people feel the pressure to be perfect in everything like no plastic. I am no so not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's a thing where I am an omnivore. Yeah. Um, and there's the whole thing of, well, how can you be involved mm-hmm. in animal rescue and yet still eat meat? Yeah. And it's kind of, it's just a thing I do. Yeah. And sometimes I can't take the lazy option and mm-hmm. go and get something that's in plastic. I make sure I dispose of that plastic properly. Yeah. I'm trying to do my bit. I'm using my loose leaf teas and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's hard when you live in a real world. 100%. To be kind of completely plastic free, plant based, stuff like that. Yeah. When I'm doing a 12 hour night shift and Friday night in Newcastle with in the big market picking up drunks, there's very few places that do a vegan option at that time. Yeah. So sometimes you have to just sort of go to the all night Tesco and get something in packaging. Yeah. And it's just, mm-hmm. you've got to be realistic about these things, you know, and it sets up barriers. Mm-hmm. If you're so kind of polarized saying, you must do this. If you don't do this, you are a horrific person. If that person is still kind of segregating their waste, yeah, um, picking up litter on the beach, sort of donating to certain charities, 
then all you're doing is just turning them against and thinking, well, actually, you're being a massive arsehole about this. Why do I yeah. want to help you? Yeah. And you just exactly. get people's backs up that way. Yeah, I think we all need to be more positive. I think positivity is the way, you know, there's a lot of things that do desperately need to change quickly. Mm. Um, but it's also like we're, we've been brought up in the world that we're in, in the society we're in, used to using certain things. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it is really hard to adapt certain things. So I think, as you say, if we're doing something, if we're either it's donating or, you know, yeah, like like litter, like beach cleans, that sort of thing, anything that we can be doing. And I think a lot of things, like obviously with people who are trying being vegan for a month or even people who are just limiting their meat yeah. and doing like a kind of mini veganuary, like, and they're not all necessarily going to continue that because it might not be feasible. It's not, a, might not be realistic for their lifestyle or their job or their family, but that's going to be making a massive change. If they can Absolutely. cut down on plastic or cut down on meat, you know, it's, it's about basically being, not having to be perfect to, to actually achieve something positive. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's just a fact that you know, it's simple things like trying where you can, where it's economically viable to shop local, um, checking out where your food's coming from, making sure it's not done thousands of miles transport. Just all little things that, that, that can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And if you're chipping away at it, you're, de- you're doing more by doing a little bit than by doing nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about when it comes to actually catching the seal? So obviously I know about jumping the seal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Different to jumping the shark. I'd like you to basically talk through what happens when you jump a seal basically what happens in the process with bdmlr from the minute that you get a call right okay so we have a lot of volunteer medics all around the uk um and abroad now we've got so obviously guys across in abu dhabi and dubai and we've got people in some of the states and some of our medics have gone to australia and doing some work down there um which is great um so right so you, you you get reported a seal we've got a seal on the beach it's in trouble and seals spend a lot of time on the land. Um, I'm very much that I, I think I, I do kind of, um, I can see myself as a bit of a seal because ultimately their job is to eat, rest and get fatter. If you see a seal lounging on the rocks, that is beach body ready. All right. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. You know, so it's, it's not this, like, you don't see a seal with a six pack. They're basically, I'm on the beach. I'm going to be nice and fat. So their job is to conserve energy and make baby seals. So all they want to do is hit the water, do some feeding. Once they've got a full stomach, hit the land and rest. Yeah. They're minimizing energy expenditure as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, A bit like me after a big Sunday dinner on the sofa. Um, So we get lots of reports for seals that are stranded on the beach. They're not stranded. Chances are they've just taken themselves out to rest. But we'll send a volunteer down to have a look, check it out. You'll do a, a distance observation first. Obviously, if it's um, so if through the winter, that's the grey seal pupping season. So you want to be aware that there's no, so if it's not a maternity dependent pup, there's no indication that mum's nearby. If you get too close, mum's not going to come back and you've got a seal abandoned. Mm-hmm. You are now going to have to play seal mum for a, a few weeks and then look after it for a few yeah. months in rehab. So we um, will do a distance observation first, mm-hmm. look for any injuries, any sort of issues with its breathing. Seals will sit on their side um, and they'll be kind of waving at you. And it's a thing where the seal's not waving hello, it's waving bye-bye. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a threat response when they sort of raise a, a, 
of a full flipper and start waving. That's them trying to tell you to bugger off, basically. Yeah. You're too close. You're assessing it. And it's showing you that it can defend itself mm-hmm. and it wants you to get away. But we'll have a look. We'll do this distance assessment, make sure there's no breathing problems, no obvious injuries. And then after a while, we'll kind of have a discussion. It's a case of, right, it actually looks a bit flat here. If it's lying sort of stomach down, that's never a good sign. So we'll get a bit closer and do a hands-on assessment. And this is when it comes to grabbing your seal. Um, so as Douglas Adams sort of said, you always need to know where your towel is. Um, because that's the most important part in a medic's kit. So to be used for catching the seal or to stem the flow of blood once you've been bitten by the seal. (laughs) They are aggressive animals. They're the UK's largest predator. And even the pups have, as I can attest and show you scars, incredibly sharp and quite grotty teeth. So you use your towel. You've got to try and sneak up on this seal behind. Now, although they're a predator, they're very alert and aware to, to so people coming towards them. And they've got very, very um, agile necks and they can turn very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you can find out that, so if you go from being at the back end of a seal to suddenly at the pointiest end of the seal in a matter of seconds, which is, yeah, it's, it's quite worrying. Um, so that's why we teach on the course to have somebody trying to distract the seal in front of it, take the attention off so you can creep up behind. And then it's essentially a way of sort of chucking the, the, the towel over the seal's head so it can't see. Um, and then kneeling on top of it, sort of legs either side, grabbing it around the neck and holding it down. And then once you've got that, you can get a bit more control and then do more of an assessment. I obviously would not recommend doing this unless you've actually done the approved course because it will end badly. Yeah. I can assure you, even as, as I've been doing this 15, 16 years and it's still a, a dangerous enterprise and we're insured under the charity. I've still got all my own fingers um, <laughs> so far. So yeah, so once you've done that, then it's a case of just assessing the seal. We'll sort of look at body condition. Um, is it fat? Is it skinny? Um, flippers, are they injured? Any fractures? Any ulcers? Any bite wounds? Um, look at the mouth. Is it dehydrated, anemic? Any teeth teeth missing? We had a big spate over the summer. We had a lot of common seals um, that were coming in with badly ulcerated mouths. There was a virus going around which decimated um, a lot of the seals we were seeing and all of the seals on the East Coast, um, which we've been investigating as an organisation with other organisations. So, yeah, so you, you're basically doing some random things with these seals, checking temperatures and stuff that the public would look and go, why are you doing that? <laughs> so cruel. Don't stick the thermometer there. Um, and then if, if it's healthy and you can confirm that, we'll mark it and let it go. And then if somebody the next hour comes, oh, there's a seal on the beach. Well, is there anything particularly about it? Well, it's got a massive blue spot on its backside. Right, we've seen that one. We know that, that one's all right. It's been checked. It's yeah. okay. And they'll, they'll find spots and they don't know it's a popular dog walking beach. They don't know that's where the bouncy castle goes. Um, yeah. So in the summer, they'll just find a quiet beach early in the early hours of the morning on the high tide and rest. And they'll rest for the full day to the next high tide. If it's unwell, then we'll consult with um, a nearby veterinary practice about taking it in, um, getting it assessed, and then it'll be on to rehab. And we don't make decisions about lifting seals lightly because there's a lot of cost involved in rehabbing a seal and spaces are limited. There aren't many rehab facilities around the UK. Mm -hmm. 
So up until 2017, we were having to take our seals down to Scarborough, um, Hunstanton, East Winch. Our seals were doing quite serious distances. Yeah. So we had to be very sure that seals we were rescuing in this area were going to be um, sort of safe for transport and really needed rehab. Uh, in 2017, we started um, partnering with Blue Reef Aquarium, um, which... Again, it is an interesting one. It's back to that idealistic side versus the reality. Some people would certainly have an issue with us as an organization working along somewhere like Blue Reef because they historically have, they have captive animals. Now there are certain charities and organizations are very, very much against that. I look at the fact that as a charity, we cannot afford to run a seal rehabilitation centre. Mm-hmm. If we did that, the majority of the funding that we get from the public would go purely into that. And we'd be looking after, say, 10 seals a year versus working with another organisation who have the funding where it's benefiting us and where maybe helping educate them and educate their visitors about the realities of certain aspects of the captive, um, to the captive trade. And they can afford it. Yeah. which means that we've now got funding to do more rescues outside of that organisation. So it's that reality of you make odd bedfellows and it's to benefit the animals. Now, I've got people who will refuse to work in the unit because of where the unit is, but it's separate to Blue Reef. Yeah. I mean, they provide uh, sort of electricity, water, fish, and sort of equipment and um, maintenance. Yeah. And we couldn't do it without working with these other people. So they'll go into the, the rehab there and ultimately we'll get them released. Sometimes they're there for, I'm sure recently there's been a few which were there for months. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we had one, Celine. Um, we were doing the, the first season, the 2017-18 winter season. Um, the theme was singers and musicians. I have been bitten by Johnny Rotten. We had a Barry White came in, who was a big white coat, who had been washed off the Farne Islands, mm-hmm. had managed to float about 50 miles, and was found at Whitley Bay Lighthouse. Oh, my God. Um, and we knew he was from the Farns because he had a big red spot on his back where they'd marked him. Mm-hmm. We knew he was about a week old, but he was a, a good way. Um, seals put a lot of weight on in the first few weeks that can gain about one to one and a half kilos per day Yeah, because mum's milk is so fat intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and Celine, um, we named her after checking her temperature mm-hmm. and she hit a very, very high, um, loud note. Yeah. And so it was like, yep, Celine Dion, there you go. Perfect. Um, so Celine had a few issues. She was putting weight on just fine, but um, she had blood in the urine. So we couldn't, we can't release animals if they're unwell. We're, we're going against certain licensing and animal welfare yep. um, rules with regards to that. So we had to make sure that she was physically fit for release. So she was with us a long time. She was getting blood tests done. Um, we had a ultrasounded by Sinclair's Vets. Mm-hmm. One of our local vets came down um, from Blythe with a portable ultrasound machine. And it's interesting trying to ultrasound a seal. So it took yeah. about three people to pin her down. And then the vets of ultrasounding her kidneys to make sure there were no issues there. But ultimately, she went back out into the wild. That's great. It just took a, a few months longer than planned. Mm-hmm. So she was, I think, over 50 kilos when she went out, which was a, it's a hefty sized animal mm, to start shifting to around. the cage yeah. around. I've seen a couple of the seal releases before, and it's just such a beautiful, heartwarming thing to see. It's marvellous. Like, it really is. When the cage opens, when you open the cage and step back and, and there's that moment of they're kind of 
tentatively coming out and then and then it's like the sea like that urge that natural instinct to be in the sea just grabs them and they just kind of shoot off some of them can be massive bell ends though <laughs> they really can where you think you're a wild animal yeah. what are you doing you need to head for the big wet thing yeah. and they'll they'll go and they'll turn right and they'll head towards the crowd and say where are you yeah, Turn I kind of just want some more time, more I don't know, I think it is. We get a very good uh, TripAdvisor rating um, mm-hmm. for the unit from the SEALs. Um, <laughs> so we think we maybe make it too comfortable. Maybe it's too good, yeah. That's it. Um, but you, you do have to be careful with regards to sort of the interaction that you have in the unit. Yeah. So initially it's very intensive. They get handled four times a day um, for feed, medication, um, sort of condition checking, things like that. And then as they get further down the process, you're then withdrawing that more and more. But they do have very distinct personalities. You get some that are very angry, but down the line, you withdraw human contact as much as possible. Try and get them sort of only having negative interactions with us. So the only times they have interaction near the end of the rehab process Mm -hmm. is when we go in and do a full clean of the pen, which is a quite upsetting we're draining the, 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 the water out we're going in with brushes it's quite a, a threatening thing for them it yeah. needs to be done but it's also a negative reinforcement for the animal and then we'll do a sort of get them in a cage weigh them do a temperature check do a sort of a quick body check we're interacting in a negative aspect as far as they're concerned yeah and the only positives they get with the feeding we don't let them see us mm-hmm. a lot of issues can be caused by people who actually think they're helping but they're not so there seems to be this new belief that seals are supposed to live in the water yeah. and if you see one on land chase it into the water yeah that's yeah. a really so really bad thing yeah and they're not getting so if our listeners for example if if they see a seal on the beach it's probably fine right unless oh well, certainly maybe, yeah i mean no, no matter what if you see it there don't chase into the water. Don't put it back into the water. I went to one at the start of the summer on Blythe Beach, just sort of north of here, where it had been chased repeatedly into the water. And it was a young seal. It was underweight, so it was going to have problems maintaining its temperature. And it was exhausted, and it did die. Um, and part of that would have been through stress and exhaustion. Yeah, Stress can kill these animals. So if somebody's constantly trying to shove it back into the sea, that's going to be massively stressful for the animal. If it keeps trying to come out, that's a bit of a sign. So seals will go in the water when they're ready and when they're able. If they're unwell, if they're underweight, if they're tired, they'll be on the land. So yeah, please never, ever, ever scare seals back into the sea. It's a lack of understanding. And, yeah. and it's, it's back to that thing of... If, if people don't know, if they're trying to do what they think do the right thing, you can't really blame them. Yeah. And all you can do is educate. Say we had a, a dolphin down in, sort of off the Durham coast, and we got called to it. And it was a bottlenose dolphin, really good body condition, no injuries, had obviously just managed to get itself a bit lost, had come ashore in this bay, and it had drowned because it looks like there was a bucket next to it. Someone's been pouring water into the blowhole. Oh, God. Thinking it's come from the sea, it needs water. It needs, that's awful. So they've, they've done what they thought was right. They've tried their best for that animal mm-hmm. and sadly do a, through a lack of education, do yeah. no fault of their own. Yeah. They've done the wrong thing. So we'd rather they called us. Um, you can find us at bdmlr.org.uk. We have the helpline number on there. Mm-hmm. It's a 24-hour staffed line. Ring that up and we'll give you advice, tell you what to do, get medics down and get it sorted. 
um, mm-hmm. and we'd rather that than kind of people just sort of chasing back into the water or, or yeah. did the wrong thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's really tragic, but it is about educating people and that's what you guys are doing. That's yeah. what is, I think that educate, I think people are becoming more aware of that, I yeah. think especially. Well, I've had a friend who used to work for Tiny Coast Guard at the control room um, back when I was with the coastal rescue team mm-hmm. and he used to work down on the south coast and he was out the control room for his meal break and um, as he was walking past, somebody says, quick, quick, there were some seals on the jetty over there. And he says, oh yeah, the rest there. Well, one of them's fallen in and it hasn't come back up and I think it's drowned. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's that sort yeah. of lack of understanding. Obviously seals just rolled off, gone to the water and they've just gone and chased a fish somewhere and popped yeah. up somewhere else because people didn't know. Um, I think what we're seeing, we're certainly having an increase in the seal population. That's amazing. Which is great, which yeah. it shows that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still numerous threats to them threats to their environment um not wanting to mention the b word um but with the current change potentially in the environmental protection laws yes. which are currently in place from the european union there could be some quite nasty things coming ahead because a lot of areas that are looked after are looked after under eu law okay. which can be changed or are funded by eu grants which we're going to lose as well. So, um, is that on like a national yeah, scale then? Absolutely, yeah. What can people do, I guess, to, you know, I, I guess some people might want to get involved or be able to help. So, obviously, people can become medics. Absolutely. Well, you can become a medic, but if you don't feel you're able to do the hands on stuff, you can become a, a sort of a, a member of the organization and mm-hmm. sort of pay a, um, a subscription, and that subscription will go. I mean, we went, we're not, um, so you, you read about other charities where they have sort of numerous teams of people who are paid reasonably good salaries and sort of they're saying, well, hang on, why is my donation going to pay their chief executive God knows how much? We essentially have two and a half people who work for the charity for the UK, which is the minimum we can kind of run on. And they're not on a great wage considering mm-hmm. the work they do and the rest of it is entirely by volunteers. So the money that we get in goes on equipment and on rescues. So yeah, you can sort of donate to us. You can become a, a member of the organization, but you can also sort of look out for things like if you want to do fundraising for us, or there's other charities out there, you know, so it's not, it doesn't have to be just about us. Yeah, of course. If there's a, if but... there's a local environmental charity, then go for it. If there's places that are doing beach cleans, get yourself down there, get a coat on, co- mm-hmm. couple of pairs of gloves and a litter picker, get down, do your beach cleans. If you see things like sort of upcoming planning changes for sort of coastal areas, um, looking at uh, sort of deep dredging, um, looking at sort of coastal area, open cast mining, get involved in the um, sort of the organisations that are fighting against that. Yeah. Um, sign the petitions, just so get your voice heard. It's back to that thing where, you know, sort of one ant sitting there doing, oh, it's too big for me, but a million doing something will make a change. Yeah. Um, voices do get heard. If you're all yelling loud enough at the same time, mm-hmm. someone's going to hear you. I would love to know what the largest mammal is that you've been called out to. Oh, easy one. Um, sperm whales. Um, So back in 2010, we had a 40-foot sperm whale up at Amble that stranded. 2011, I had a 38-and-a-half-foot-long sperm whale strand in Redcar uh, that I'd just finished night shift. I got a phone call from the coordinator who was manning the out-of-hours phone. I said, oh, hi, Richard. Um, Yeah, we've got a seal for you on the beach at Redcar. He says, all right, okay, that's nice to know. 
thinking I'm about an hour's drive away. I've just finished night shift. Whilst I'm interested, there's medics down there that can deal with the shit. Oh, no, 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 no. I've been dealing with seals all night. It's a whale. I say, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> so quick pop home. Got the pontoons, the rescue system that we have. We've got pontoons and air tanks, dry suit, thinking I'm going to have to drive down um, and deal with this whale and get this whale off the beach. Uh, we have predominantly minky whales in the North Sea, which we can manage. Um, the occasional humpback, some pilot whales. Recently, some orca, uh, killer whales Amazing. as well off the Fun Islands. So there's a couple of species options that we could get back in the sea, no problem. So I'm thinking, right, okay, get down, get the water on it, get the pontoon set up, do a health check see what the tides are doing, stuff like that, turn the corner and realise it's about 20 tonnes of whale. So I know this animal's not going to go back in the water. So you've gone from a rescue to just a leave and explain to the public why you're not doing anything. Yeah. Like the one we had in October at Sandy Bay up in mm-hmm. Newbiggin. Um, you got some people getting very, very angry about the fact that we were there as medics and we'd gone from a rescue position to basically just to protect the animal until sort of it had died and then having to explain to people why we weren't doing anything and saying a, a sperm whale in the North Sea is not going to survive it's yeah. come ashore because it is sort of physically knackered it's yeah. underweight it hadn't have been feeding for a while it has been using its blubber if we put it back if we even if we're able to physically get it back to sea it would just starve and suffer for longer and die. And you had people suggesting, well, get a helicopter. I said, mm. well, the stresses you would put on that animal, you wouldn't be able to get the distance. You'd, again, just be chucking it back, but now injured yeah. with massive internal injuries back into the North Sea. Um, oh, well, can't you have given it a drug to, to put it to sleep? With that size of an animal, anything we gave to it would then kill anything around the animal as it was leaking out. Yeah. Anything in carrying feeders would then kill them. So it'd be a massive environmental impact, yeah. which would kill more just than just that one animal. Um, I think once you explain that to people and the, the reasoning why, yeah. they were quite understanding of it. Yeah. But uh, So yeah, so that, that can be heartbreaking. That's one of the biggest ones that we've, uh, we've dealt with um, around here. Yeah, I think... Um I think what's so good about BDMLR is that they get involved in the right ways, in the right situations. We but try then to, certainly, you draw, yeah. You know, it is nature at the end of the day. Like, it's that it's that balance between helping, helping an animal or, like, letting nature take its course. Yeah. And I think I think you always strike that balance really well. I don't know when, when I run courses. Um, did I? Did you do my course? I did your course. Did you? I did it in Berwick. The, almost this time last year, actually. Oh, God, yes. You have to renew your... Uh... I do actually need to yes. renew. My mum just did <laughs> and I still need to. I was like, maybe I should do it before we speak. Yes. But it'll be fine. It's all a blur. I mean, last day we ran four courses. Um, so two in Berwick, one in Newbig yeah. and one in Redcar, um, which is great because we've been getting busier year on year. That's really um, good. But I always say on the courses, it's... it's a, most of these animals come ashore, certainly the cetaceans come ashore because they have problems. Yeah. Um, it's only really if there's a navigational issue or they're scared in by sonar or something like that, that we can normally do something with them. Yeah. Um, but then it, it's the thing where you say nature taking its course. The Ultimately, if this animal came ashore, then it would just be left. It would become food for carrion feeders. It would go back into the um, the food chain. But we can't do that because of human sensibilities. People are going to complain about the fact that there's now a 20-ton 
dead whale rotting mm. next to a caravan park and the smell associated with that and want it removed. People ultimately will go up and start prodding it. The one that we had in Amble, people were climbing on top of it. There's health concerns there. So the people that own the land, the council or anyone like that, obviously have concerns and think we've got to get this removed because somebody's going to become unwell. If they become unwell, they're going to be looking for somebody to blame and mm-hmm. try and put a claim in. We can't drag them out to sea because once it's come ashore, if you're then an organisation who drags the animal out to sea, you're now liable for that. So if like Dave comes along on his speedboat and hits it and breaks his arm, he's going to go, who put that whale there? Oh, it was them. Right, I'm suing you. So there's a litigation side of it as well. So that's why they have to spend thousands of pounds to remove this animal, put it in biomass or into landfill. Thankfully managed to get the lower jaw from the Newbigin whale. Um, It sounds terrible, but it's museums sort of need to have up-to-date exhibits. And I've got a friend who is... um, serve the head of antiquities at the Great North Museum. And I've always said, if I can get anything good for him to put on display, because when people go into the museum and see the lower jaw of a sperm whale and know that it came from some nearby, it's back to that enthusing, getting people involved, getting people interested. And they Mm -hmm. go, what's what's a sperm whale? We've had them here. What else have we got? Because people don't realise that we've got four or five species of dolphin in the North Sea. Got a couple of different species of uh, whale. Uh, We've got one of the largest populations of grey seals. So we managed to get the lower jaw sort of to go into the museum and the rest of it was sort of disposed of safely. So, but it's back to that thing of humans involvement knackering up something else in the environment. Because ideally, a sort of a 41 and a half foot whale would be perfect to be left mm-hmm. on the beach because the amount of different animals that could feed off that would be yeah, ideal. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think what's so great is more people are realising how much wildlife is actually in the area. You know, it's not just when you're like dropping a piece of litter, for example, on the beach yeah. on a nice day out with your family or whatever, it's not just fish that you might be able to think, you know, some people are quite good at detaching Yeah, and, you know, but it's like, you've actually got orcas, you've got humpbacks, you've got, you know, that, the sperm whale that came here, you've got yeah. minky whales, there's so much other wildlife that people almost don't realise is here on top of the seals. So I think the more that people realise that, obviously every every life should count, but yeah. it's like the more that people realise what else is actually out there in the ocean that needs to be protected, I think the more people are being switched on to looking after things. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'll, I'll go do school visits and I'll say, well, where do you think dolphins live? And you get the ones who go, see, well, and like, no, they are evil. Um, and then say, oh, well, America and it's stuff like that. And they don't realise that you can go out. I mean, more now, there's more, um, with the social media, there's more sort of information out there. People are joining groups and they're getting regular updates. Um, my phone is constantly buzzing with messages about sort of dolphins up and down and porpoise up and down the coastline because of groups I'm involved in. And um, so it, it's, it's, it's great that people are seeing more of that. But uh, so that understanding that they can have an impact on, a, like you say, a, a greater, a, a wider yeah. um, number of flora and fauna maybe makes them think a bit more of, well, actually my little bit of litter could be causing damage to God knows what out there. Um, we had in 2013, we had what initially was thought to be a minky whale strand at New, uh, not Newbiggin, um, Druridge Bay up mm-hmm. in Northumberland. So it was a manageable size animal, um, came ashore, so got the medics along there, got the mm-hmm. fire service out to dig, get it upright, get it wet, so keep the water on it. And then we realized that it wasn't a minky whale. It was actually a maternity dependent say whale. 
So this is, I think, the second largest cetacean in the sea. Oh, my God. And it was a baby. So it was under a year old. So it went from an animal that was moderate body condition. Mm -hmm. So we had a chance of putting it back out to sea. Suddenly became an animal that we couldn't put back out to sea. Um, because there was no sign of mum. And again, we would have put it out to starve and suffer for longer. Yeah. It died on the beach. And the guys from ZSL came up, from uh, Cetacean Stranding Information Project, Zoological mm-hmm. Society of London. They came up um, to do a, a bit of a necropsy, a post-mortem on the beach. And this was an animal that was still drinking milk from mum, or would have been up until it had lost contact with mum. So it wasn't gulp feeding it. So it was a, um, a sieve feeder. So the big gulp of krill and, and what have you. Filtering that through. So that's wasn't the animal wasn't doing that at this point. It was purely drinking milk off mum. And when they opened the stomachs, they found bits of plastic, a small plastic wheel. So this is all stuff that at under a year old, this animal was already being imp- impacted by us. It's just, it's massively depressing. Yeah. But then you think, you know what, if I mention that whenever I do my sort of talks, people then think, Christ, I best not drop that because I remember that idiot with the beard from British divers <laughs> when he came along. He said that because of us, that whale that was drinking milk from its mum still somehow managed to get plastic in his stomach. Yeah, you can travel to like far-flung places across the world and still find little bits of plastic washed up on beaches where oh, there's everywhere. like no one living there. And it's because so much stuff still gets into the ocean, whether it's like caught in the wind or it gets dropped or the tides or whatever. So yeah, I think what you guys are doing in educating people is really positive. It's having a very positive impact. Try our best. But it's not just us, but yeah. we work with lots of other organisations and yeah, it's that bad thing if we all, we all push in the same direction. Hopefully stuff will get sorted. Yeah, definitely. And obviously people can train as medics themselves, as we've said, on you can go on the website yeah. and see the different courses, keep up with BDMLO on Facebook and keep up with what they what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Right, um, it's, it's we're on all the socials. Yeah. <laughs> the Facebooks and the Instagrams and stuff like that. He says as a man in his mid forties. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm down with the kids. And it's probably a good idea to have the number um saved in your phone so that if you're on the beach then and you do see a seal then you can just give a quick call my number's out there um so so on friday i got a phone call from somebody i was like oh are you the guy that deals with the seals the seal man well that depends is this a complaint or is this like a report if it's a complaint no who are you yeah um let's see i never touched it it was all fine um (laughs) but yeah it was a seal on willie bay beach Mm -hmm. so i've given her the 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 proper number to ring and then that way because with me working shifts obviously as a volunteer if I'm on night shift I'm not answering my phone during the day so Mm -hmm. an animal might get missed so having the main numbers definitely important and that seal was checked by a medic they assessed it it was very cold underweight called him Rolo he's now nipping at people's ankles in the rescue unit amazing doing really really well that's great amazing Richard thank you so much for talking to me it's been an absolute pleasure and we've learned so much about seals I have no issues talking I know you don't I remember that from that <laughs> I remember that from the training course like last year yeah it's normally needs a big stick to probably just tell me to shut up so. no I think it's great the more talking the better amazing thank you so much well, thank you for inviting me You can keep up with BDMLR via their website and socials. All the details are in the show notes. It's also a good idea to save the hotline number on your phone in case you spot a seal, whale or dolphin in distress. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to help other people find us and spread the word to your friends. See you next time.
Don't 